Welcome to Side Eye with Mad Eye. I'm your host, Maddie Allen. Welcome to our first bonus episode, you guys. I bet you can already guess what this episode is about. I've posted a couple of things on Instagram about it, and I am not ashamed. I watched all of Bridgerton this week, and I want to talk about it. It's like, I want to pretend like you're all my BFFs and we're having a sleepover and catching up on the latest shows and gossip and more because we really can't do that right now. I can't really see a lot of friends and family and I can't really have a giant sleepover party with all of you. So let's just pretend for a minute, okay? I have a fascination for trends that go viral and shows that blow up like this and pop culture phenomena. I don't even know how many of you have actually watched this or how many of you will be interested, but what the heck. This is what quarantine's all about, is it not? It's about sharing these awesome moments where shows like this go viral and I'm all for it. So my first thought when I saw the promos for Bridgerton was that it was going to be like Gossip Girl happened 200 years ago and I was right. I believe it was Elite Magazine that coined the show as Gossip Girl Meets Downton Abbey, and honestly, nothing could be more accurate. I thought it was going to be like a low-budget show, though, with cheap, fake British British accents, and just be kind of like another one of those shows that fills up everybody's times while we're all still waiting for the vaccine to kick in to save the world. (laughs) But I was actually very pleasantly surprised with the show. It was definitely better than I thought. And in general, I think I was still a little bit on the edge, like probably until episode four. It it picked up for me around then. Before that, I was kind of like, I'm not really into the hype, but then I got it. So I'm going to go through my thoughts on the show and I'm going to include my comparison of Bridgerton characters with the characters from Gossip Girl. An exclusive look into the lives of London's elite, as the narrator would say. I've actually found some character parallels that are just too good not to cover, though. I've only included the ones that I feel like are really, really relevant, though. So don't be alarmed when Serena and Nate are siblings in this instance. It's all just for fun. Okay? Don't worry. (laughs) Okay, so the first character that I want to talk about, obviously, is the Duke of Hastings. He's our Chuck Bass. First and foremost, he has major daddy issues. Cue the Chuck Bass bad boy vibes. Therefore, we know he's fooled around a little, although thankfully he doesn't take hardly as much time to come around in the end. He takes an oath of anger, yet still aims for the perfection that his dad expected, just like Chuck Bass like despises his father, yet strives to be an extremely wealthy businessman and leader like he saw his father as. I will say, sometimes the Duke is too cruel and reckless. Much like Chuck Bass would often say things he'd regret, fail to communicate with Blair and everyone else, and get drunk as heck when anything went wrong. And much like Chuck would tell Blair that she meant nothing to him, the Duke tells Daphne, we were never friends in episode three or four, which was a true knife to the heart. If that isn't a parallel, I don't know what is. Yet, we all fell for him, and we're in love with him, just as we're strangely attracted to Chuck Chuck Bass and hope the best for him through the entirety of the Gossip Girl seasons. Overall, though, 
The Duke is easier to fall for, and I get the hype. I mean, showing him boxing, they knew exactly what they were doing there. And if boxing has got you all hot and bothered, maybe just take it slow with episode six. You know what I'm talking about. Speaking of which, when they get married, I was not expecting that. It was so early in the season, and I honestly did, didn't know like where they were going from there. I was pleasantly surprised when the best of the drama was yet to come. Once again, I'm pretty sure they got married in like episode four, I want to say. I, I don't know, but there was so much more to come, and I'm so glad. Oh, when the Duke professes his love for Daphne on their wedding night, that was swoon-worthy. And all I'll say is that, in my opinion, that is everyone's dream wedding night experience, is it not? I won't go into more details. Also, when they plead with the queen for their license for them to get married early, and he talks of their friendship, that was his redeeming moment for me. Up until that point, he had been pretty distant and cruel and confusing, but I loved the emphasis of friendship in marriage here. I'm totally here for that. That is what I believe is a huge, huge part of marriage. So that was like so sweet. Anyways, I think the Duke ended up being a great character with enough, enough depth to keep us all intrigued still. And one of the main themes in the end is that he believes he's unlovable. And as we've learned from The Bachelor seasons year after year, we all swoon for a man who's sensitive enough to fear being unlovable. Ahem, I'm talking about you, Ben, Colton, Peter. <laughs> you know what I mean. So next up is Daphne. Daphne, Daphne, Daphne. At first, I couldn't really decide if she was a Serena or Blair, but ultimately, I decided there's no other character the diamond of the season could be than Serena Vanderwoodson. She's gorgeous, she's talented, she has a fabulous sense of fashion, and she will absolutely shine if you let her. So much so that it causes jealousy for many around her, both family and friends. I think we can all relate. At first, it's hard to compare Serena to her because Serena slept with so many, many men and had her adventures. It's hard to compare her to someone like Daphne who, quote, still has her virtue. I hate that phrase so much, but that's what they use in the show. But I'm sure that we can all agree that Daphne ultimately discovers her love for pleasure in the all-too-well-known Wildest Dreams sequence. It takes me back to when Serena and Nate were dating. Their chemistry was perfect. And honestly, I wish they would have ended up together, but we can't have it all, can we? I loved them. When Daphne enters the ball after the Duke breaks up with her, I get major Serena revenge vibes. Remember in season one when Serena returns from her summer away at boarding school to find that Blair snubs her? And then the next scene is Serena taking her position as Queen Bee and showing Bee who's really in charge. Daphne isn't afraid to make the Duke jealous, and she definitely succeeds. In that scene, I just got major Serena vibes, and I loved it. Overall, it kind of took me a while to warm up to Daphne. She's not perfect, and I change a lot of things about her, like her incessant quivering lip and the way she looks 14, and it's just a little too much for me, and the way she insists on her way or the highway. But that's besides the point. She starts to come around, 
at the end, especially as her and the Duke start to work through their relationship struggles. And I feel like she really redeems herself in the final episode, especially if she talks to her mom. I think that's when I like genuinely could say that I I liked her. Um, although I think it can be made fun of a little bit that Daphne does ultimately get her way of having children with little or no discussion on the matter. That's just strange in our society. That's not how it works. But I'm happy for her and I think she deserves the best. I think the actress is adorable and I think she looks 14 to me, but then when you actually see pictures of her as just herself normal pictures on her Instagram feed I think she looks her age and I <laughs> I just thought it was interesting at first and I I don't mean to make fun of an awesome actress who's making a huge debut and will probably do big big things but I couldn't get over the way that she looked so young especially at first so anyways next up oh hello Lord Bridgerton we stan a sideburns man. He is the most attractive of the Bridgerton boys. I will stand by that. He is my Nate in Gossip Girl. He's extremely charming. He's a womanizer. He cares a lot about his family's name and honor. But we have to admit he doesn't always make the best decisions. Am I wrong? I'm super sad that him and Sienna didn't end up together. But there's got to be more to come. Like, they can't tease us like that and then not have them be together. I mean, Nate also, he ultimately doesn't end up with anybody at the end of Gossip Girl. And it's disappointing, yet maybe he's just meant to be a womanizer his entire life. You never know. Moving on to Marina Thompson. Okay, this might seem really odd, but she's my Blair Waldorf. Sometimes her tricky actions remind me of Blair. Like when she gets Colin Bridgerton to propose to her and then also blackmails Madame Delacroix into making her dress. She gets that sneaky smile on her face. And although I think she's pushed into doing this by Lady Featherington, I think she's also just as responsible and enjoys the attention. I also feel bad for her, though. I mean, being pregnant and unwed in those days was doom. Blair, she feared the the death of her reputation just as much as marina does although i'll credit marina with wanting to be brave and carry the burden of being an an unwed mother all by herself especially at the beginning but those two seemed the most comparable to me and i loved marina i love i love blair and gossip girl she's one of my favorite characters for sure and i think a lot of people say the same and i think people feel similar about marina they're disappointed in her and like how she was super sneaky and slimy about some things but also you feel for her and you love her. So um, next, I'd have to say Eloise Bridgerton is our Vanessa Abrams. She's stubborn and strong and she likes to go against the ways of society. Why should she have to come out to society? Would she, why should she have to marry and be her husband's property? She's not afraid to question it all. And she's more interested in solving the, la- the mystery of who Lady Whistledown is than anything else. Much like I'd say Vanessa is often so distracted by her feelings for Dan, whether romantic or platonic, that she's blinded from seeing everything else. And honestly, sometimes it's super annoying and (laughs) I hated that. But Eloise is definitely a crowd favorite. She reminds me of Joe in Little Woman. So hear me out. For a moment, let's pretend Daphne is Meg. 
All she truly wants is a happy family with some fine things along the way. And Meg's great and all, but what we're really watching the movie for, or reading the book for that matter, is Joe. The wild, spunky, talented, fearless younger sister who's not going to comply with what the world expects of her. And I think a lot of people see Eloise as their Joe and they relate to her and that's why they love her. Eloise is the best character to draw attention to the absurdity of marriage culture, which I have to say made me think, like, has it really changed that much? Let's take a step back for a minute. In so, so many ways, yes, and thank heavens. Since Daphne looked 14 to me, though, I had to research the average age young woman got married in 1813, which is when it's supposed to take place. And I didn't do like a ton of research, but it said that the average age was 26. And I don't really know if I believe that. I feel like that's not true, especially in the show. So I will say that's older than the average age in my own culture. Oof. (laughs) But also I can't ever judge someone for getting married young because I have no regrets of getting married at the young age of 22. So that's that. That's despite the point, though. Anyways, in the show, they call it the season, which is so icky to me. Like, is this hunting, ladies and gentlemen? I I don't know. It makes me so uncomfortable, yet I'm trying to understand that it was in the context and the culture of the time without vom- vomiting in response. <laughs> I just, no. Altogether, though, uh, Eloise is darling. And I just, I hope we get to see more of her in the coming seasons. I actually, I assume there's coming seasons. From everything I've seen, there's seasons to come. So let's all hope. Okay, next character. Who is Lady Whistledown? Whistledown, Whistledown, I have a very hard time saying that, so don't make fun. But if we're still making Gossip Girl comparisons, obviously she's Gossip Girl. Although, I don't know how much she really has in common with Dan Humphrey, but let's not think of Dan. Let's just think of the essence of Gossip Girl. She doesn't ultimately seem to have bad intentions. Meanwhile, Gossip Girl can often be really malicious with what she's publishing. I'm honestly having a very hard time believing that it's actually Penelope Featherington. I feel like it could be someone else in later seasons. But maybe I'm missing the point. I don't, I actually really don't know. In all though, whoever she is, for now she's Pen- Penelope. She's a super talented writing, writer. And she has an obsession with calling Colin Bridgerton. Wow, really struggling to speak. Um, the infatuation might have begun after she started publishing. But once she's pub- published the scandal of Marina Thompson being with child, I think we learn that there are boundaries that she's willing to cross in order to ensure that her precious Colin stays safe and single. And that sounds pretty similar to someone that we know, <clears throat> Dan Humphrey. The actual narrator, though, is hard to compare and contrast because Julie Andrews and Kristen Bell are quite different, but both are extremely talented and fit for the part. And I did have a moment this week where I questioned whether or not Julia Andrews was faking her British accent for her career. But I was so, so glad to be wrong. With a quick Google search, I figured out that she was indeed from England. I don't know why I had a moment that I kind of freaked out about that. But anyways, other random thoughts I had while watching the show. I thought, what a world where a simple glance 
or a brush of the finger meant so much as to make one gas. I mean, talk about swoon-worthy. I sometimes think about the early days of having crushes as the same thing. Being in first grade and having a boy just look at you. Oh my. Or being in junior high and having a guy hand brush yours while walking to a friend's house down the street. Ooh, the tension is too much. (laughs) I'm mostly kidding, but also not. I think some of us can feel some of the similarities of that, especially as we're young. And Fortunately or unfortunately, depends on where you're coming from, it it changes a lot as you get older. And I think overall, we can admit that it's probably a good thing. You know, I'm glad that we, we can kiss before we're married or, yeah, <laughs> to do whatever we want without, without having our scandals be exposed to everyone in the town that we live in and being ruined forever for having a moment of passion. Thank, thank goodness we don't have that anymore. Another thought I had in episode three, they talk about the talent of managing to faint. That's exactly what they call it. And I think I'm profoundly talented in that area. I fainted all the time, especially when I was younger. And I didn't even have corsets to help. So there. <laughs> it's, it's so silly. I've never understood that, that culture and should honestly look more into it because it's hilarious. But it makes me think of Pirates of the Caribbean when... Oh, I don't remember her name in the movie, but Kira Knightley faints over the edge of the stone wall above the sea, and it's the most dramatic thing ever. And once again, it's caused by a corset, but also nervousness. And I'm so grateful that we we don't have that in our day. Anyways, <laughs> the part where um, Daphne and Colin go into the kitchen late at night to warm some milk, and they don't even know how to light the stove. How incredibly inconvenient and privileged to not even be able to prepare your own food and drink. And in no way do I envy that. I can go to the freezer and I can grab my own Ben and Jerry's and eat it with a spoon. No help needed. Look how far we've come. Lastly, where the frick is Prussia? (laughs) Every time I heard like he was the prince of Prussia in the movie, I was like, where is Prussia? I remember learning about this in European history, but... I'm really having a hard time remembering, and I know I could have searched it, but I just thought it was funny. I I do think the prince deserved better, and I'm sad for him. He was a cutie. A cutie with a booty. <laughs> a sweetie for a needy for Daphne. Okay, I'm done. But, I mean, overall, her passions lay elsewhere, and... I guess all we can say is good news is the prince is still single and maybe he'll reappear in future seasons and find love. I, I kind of hope he does. He's, he's my vote for the next bachelor. If I can say that, you know, he's amazing. (laughs) Anyways, that's all. Thank you so much for indulging me. I hope you enjoyed my comparisons as much as I did. This was a really fun show to binge, and I have absolutely no regrets. I don't even know what I'm going to call this episode. I was thinking gossipton or bridgerton to terabithia (laughs) no that's too much i I can't do that but message me if you watch the show i really want to know your thoughts as always this is such a fun show to binge and i once again i love when everybody's whether they're completely quarantining or not i feel like everyone dives into the same shows at the same time this year now more than ever and i love it so much so tell me what you think um, follow along with me at Side Eye with Mad Eye on Instagram and 
Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. I love you all so much, and thank you. Until next time, Side Eye Squad.